I am delighted that Grace is here with us this evening. Grace, you are very, very welcome. Um, I'm especially pleased that you suggested joining us, um, seeing as, you know, I'm not particularly, we don't know each other that well or, or whatever, but I, I happened to turn up in a seminar you were leading about this time last year and uh, followed you on Twitter since then. Uh, and we're really pleased that you're able to be with us uh, this evening. So uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over. Uh, I'm going to ask Grace some, some questions and then we're going to crack on. So uh, let's pray as we begin together. Gracious God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to share this time together. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would be at work in us as we share together over this next hour. And this we pray in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Grace. So lovely to have you here. Um, but you are not in Shubriness, uh, like most of us are. You are at the moment, I'm guessing, in Moss Side in Manchester. Um, are you a Manchester native? Is that home? I, I am a Manchester native, yes. Um, I've, I've only spent two years away from Manchester when we went up to Durham. My husband is um, ordained as well, and he trained in Durham. So the only time we've moved out of Manchester is to go further north. Um, okay. <laughs> and, and yes, I minister in Moss Side and uh, Wally Range, um, but I actually live in Salford because we live in my husband's parishes. <laughs> okay nice oh well that's a bit of a sliding doors moment for me we nearly moved to Salford my my wife worked for the BBC and when they moved she was part of CBBS, which moved up there so anyway we ended up in Southend instead but um okay and um how's your pandemic been I mean what uh what's that been like for a, a cure in Manchester also with somebody else working in the church as well well, how long have you got, David? Yeah, got to... <laughs> well, it has been very different. Yeah, so I'm a curate. I'm a third. Well, I've just passed, finished my cure. Well, passed my curacy, so now I'm looking for another job. But um, yes, it's been. Well, it's been very different. And we, we where we are, we're in Moss Side and Molly Range. If anybody knows, and if anybody's heard of Moss Side, they've probably not heard of positive things about Moss Side. It was known as Gunchester in in years gone by. It's actually a really lovely, vibrant area, very very diverse. Um, and so one of the very very sad consequence of that is that we have lost quite a few members of our congregations uh, to covid so we've done a lot of covid funerals um and and then a lot of um stuff around food banks there's a lot of poverty in our area um and we also have a, a large we're very near a hospital one of the big manchester hospitals so we, a lot of our congregation members are nurses and so we've been and so there's been, you know, there's been a lot to pray for and a lot of pastoral care going on and um, all obviously socially distanced or via screens or phones. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got uh, kids at home as well. How, how has it been managing a number of churches between you as well as uh, family life? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my kids aren't that young. So my youngest is 13. Okay. Um, she turned 13 in the pandemic. Well, they, all, they all increased in age during the pandemic. It's what we all did, didn't we? And um, several years for me. But there we go. Um, but yes, yeah, so she so she was she's been homeschooled quite a lot over the past year. But she's 13, so it's not been as difficult as it has been for people with younger children. I just don't know how some people have managed. My 18-year-old started university, so went to um, Leeds and then got COVID. Oh wow! <laughs> and was isolating in Leeds, and so that was quite challenging. My 25-year-old um, is, is a chartered accountant and his accountancy firm currently is on our dining room table. 
Um, so, <laughs> so there's always a bit of a battle for broadband. It certainly was when one of us was homeschooling, one of us was accounting and, and two more of us were uh, trying to do ministry and stuff. So the broadband's taken a hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and we do these uh, talks uh, during Lent. Um, so we stop some of our midweek things and we all gather together in this way. Um, does Lent impact you in a particular way? Do you do anything in particular during Lent or does it not make much of a difference? Yes, I mean, we, we do take nor- you know, normally, whatever normal was, um, we, we, you know, we would do quite a lot during Lent in church. Uh, Lent, we would have a Lent study. We've got ours tomorrow. Um, and we would um we would you know as a family we would do stuff in terms of what we would you know the traditional what you give up and all that kind of stuff um and then you know holy week next week um for us we've got services every day um and leading up to to you know easter day so yes it it, it marks it's quite a significant time uh, for us personally and for us in ministry as well yeah okay well um we're mainly going to be thinking a little bit about guess the environment tonight and we're really pleased about that um, and most people perhaps on the call tonight will be aware but not everybody that this week we received our plaque uh, confirming that we now have achieved the silver eco church award so well done to everybody we're, just if we may take a second you know we're the only church in south end to have a silver award so just bask in that for a moment um the only church in south essex in fact so well done everybody for making that happen um but the seminar that I came to um, was you were talking a bit from your experience as part of, I think, Christian Climate Action. And I think it was pretty fresh this time last year after the College Green in Bristol mm. stuff, which mm. made the news. And I'd uh, be really interested to hear more about Christian Climate Action and your work with that and why it's important for us to be paying attention and taking action. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I've got a, I've got a bit of a presentation and talk, but yes, I am. One of my 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 hats is as a Christian Climate Action Coordinator for Greater Manchester. And so we have participated in some actions and I'll talk a little bit about what that means sort of theologically and, you know, um, what it means for a person of faith um, to do that. And I also um, I think it's brilliant, by the way, well done on your Silver Eco Award. Um, I'll do a little bit of showing off about our Eco Award in the presentation. Um, I'm also the, one of the diocesan, newly appointed diocesan environment officers, and we're working as a diocese towards some some um, stuff as well. So I'll, I'll, what I'm going to do really is the main arch of my presentation wants to sort of say to you very clearly that climate action in all its forms is mission. It's the mission of God. It's something that we're called to do. Um, I'm going to share some slides um, and just go through some aspects of that. We're going to travel all over the place from Genesis to all, all kinds of places. But stick with me. And if you have any questions, I'd love to hear them afterwards. I'll try and leave enough space to have a really good uh, time for questions afterwards. So let me share the screen. There we go. Um, and let me start this properly. There we go. So can you see that presentation? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good. My screen does funny things sometimes. So what I'm going to have to do is... Um, ugh. Hold on a sec. Sorry, my screen... Because I've got a couple of screens going on at the moment. My, my screen has decided to do something very annoying. <laughs> so I'm just going to try and... Oh, never mind. Uh I love technology. 
There we go. So can you still see the presentation? Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. I've got everything I need. So climate action is mission. Let's start back. Let's start by going to Genesis. Um, and, and what I will say, first of all, is that I'm going to assume that most of us here accept that that the world is warming um, and that in many other ways that things like we're polluting the air and the seas and stripping the earth of resources and that kind of thing. There's plenty of data to back that up. If anybody wants any more data, I'd be happy to, to show them where they can find that data afterwards. But I'm going to just take that as, as assumed. Um, <clears throat> so the foundational principle on which our Christian response to many of the ecological issues of today can be found right at the beginning of the Bible. Very familiar with these verses, Genesis 1, the account of creation, where God blesses humankind before telling them to have dominion over the land and the sea and every living creature. It's vital, however, that we, we see this commandment in the context of which it is given, because it has been in the past interpreted as permission to, to rule and plunder the land for our benefit. But just before this dominion call, God, is, God, uh, God makes uh, humankind in the image of God. We are the image bearers of God and we are called to reflect God's character in our lives. And so dominion in this context takes on a very different slant and it's no longer about ruling over creation for our benefit, but seeing creation as good and cherishing it in the way that God would cherish it. And it also reminds us that we're made in the image of a communal Trinitarian God so God actually exists in, in a community, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Um, and this, again, if, we're, if we, we are made in that image, we're made to live in community with each other and flourish in community with each other. Now, often dominion language has generated ideas of human separation from creation um, possibly a sense of hierarchy. But we are part of creation. Creation isn't there and we're here. We are part, an integral part of that creation. And it's also worth pointing out that um, creation isn't there for our benefit alone. So in the book of Job, for example, God declares how he sends rain to uninhabited places. A clear indication that the natural world hasn't been created simply for us to, to benefit from in, in its totality. The natural world is a bigger, bigger entity than just for our use. And also, of course, in Psalm 24, we hear creation isn't ours. Creation is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. There we go. See, this is my little uh, showing off thing now. <laughs> I'll pop that up there whilst I talk about the next thing. and I'll explain where this comes from in a minute. Um, but in order to, to live out the calling of creation and address the current ecological issues that we face, we as Christians must take action. It's part of our calling. And climate action, creation action, refers to action that can be taken to reduce or eliminate greenhouse gases, reduce pollution or waste, and seeks to enable creation to flourish. And climate action can be practical, taking action within um, our own lives and an organisation, such as switching to renewable sources of energy, uh, low carbon transport, recycling, reusing, limiting consumption, so on. And practical action can also happen in our churches. And as David's mentioned, the Eco Church um, Award, um, that's one, the Eco Church Award is a really excellent way for churches to take um, action because it provides a framework and really good ideas um, which we can, we can use. It's not about necessarily about getting the awards, although we should pat ourselves on the backs when we do because it's, you know, it's good to do that. But it's, it's, it's actually about looking at the framework and seeing how we as churches can engage with it. 
So I, um, I'm minister, as I said, in Moss Side and Wally Range. Um, Moss Side particularly is um, quite a diverse and quite demographically poor area. And yet we are a silver, silver eco church. Um, and we were the first eco urban eco church in the diocese. So we'll put ourselves on the back too for that. <laughs> um, so, so, and, and, but which, which just goes to show you that any, it, this is possible for anybody. If, if our little church in Moss Side, and um, I'll give, I'll try and show you what our churches look like which actually works to our advantage sometimes in creation care so these are our two churches this one's the moss side one the one on um, the right as you're facing it it looks more like a gp surgery than an actual church <laughs> people people don't often realize it's there um but it's, it's a small church as you can see we've got our cycle racks outside and um it's on the on the busiest road that goes into manchester with um, air pollution levels so high that the local primary school can't open its windows because um it's it's too dangerous for the children so this is the kind of context we're in this is why one of the reasons why we're, we're so passionate about climate action in all its forms when we started on the eco church journey within our own church we focused uh, eco church is five um sort of categories that you can look at worship and teaching uh, buildings land global and community engagement and lifestyle we started with worship and teaching because worship and prayer and all those things are the foundation of our, our of our Christian lives. And so we started including it into our, uh, you know, prayers, looking at how we preached about it, looking at the music that we were using. And it really did feel like the Holy Spirit was moving amongst us and energizing our members because very, very quickly um, creation care became the language of the church. And very soon, lots of people were sort of getting energized by what this meant. And I really feel having that foundation in worship and rooting it from the start in, in, in worship and prayer with God was really essential to us building um, towards our eco journey. Very quick examples of some of the things that, that came out of that. So we had a pre, a lot of this is pre-pandemic, as I'm sure you'll appreciate. We had a um, toddler group. So we, we used to give out gifts every every um, Christmas and things. And we didn't really used to think about what gifts we gave, but we started really thinking about um, the ecological impact of the gifts and how we wrapped them and, and just making sure that what we were doing really represented our, how we felt about creation. Um, we often had, pre-pandemic, uh, big events. Um, food was a big, food's a big part. It's wonderful in Moss Side because we're so diverse. We get loads of amazing different types of food. Um, but we often had leftovers. So we started um, engaging with a food share app. We, we're in an area where there's lots of students and we post things on saying, you know, we've got this curry that, you know, people need to eat and we, we you know, can anybody pick it up today? And students will come knocking on and, and take the curry away, very happy. Um, so built our connections with the community even more and made sure we weren't wasting stuff. We started an eco-brick project. Uh, we were looking at building um, sort of an area outside church because we're on a busy main road, an area outside church where our toddlers could play safely without... Um, you know, without danger of going into the road. So we want to do this via eco bricks. Um, this really grasped the imagination of the community. Um, a local shop said, can we be a collection point? So that's our local shop uh, collecting them on our behalf. We Within a few weeks, well, you know, probably about eight weeks, we'd got over 150 eco bricks made by people from the community. Um, and we actually made it into um, the local paper um, practicing what they preach. It was, it was really just sort of demonstrating um, the church and the action the church was taking in the community. We were also really keen to seek what was happening in the community. We didn't feel like we needed to start 
many things afresh rather than but instead look at what was already happening and seek to engage with that so there was quite a few local community garden projects and that kind of thing so as church members we'd go along say we're from the church we want to serve you how can we how can we support you and we started getting involved with local community projects like that um and this was last january which is quite hard to believe it was just before it was um in our Moss Side Church. And because we built up quite a reputation by this point as being quite active eco-wise, local councils got in touch and said, we'd really like to declare a climate emergency in Moss Side. And we'd like to, to, to have this um, declaration done in the church and invite people from all over the community to come in the church and talk about how we've got a climate emergency and how we can all address it. So this was the result. We had school children, youth, um, students, residents, all kinds of people came along um, or this, these were presentations at the beginning, but then we all got in circles. We talked about what we all wanted to do together um, in Moss Side to, to, make, to, to sort of serve creation better and how we could do it. So these were some of the things that we were doing eco-church-wise. My other hat, I'm a Darcyson Environment Officer, as I've already said, and um, the Church of England has a net carbon zero target for 2030, which means that by 2030, by some miracle, all our churches and all our church buildings need to be net carbon zero. Um, now, you'll appreciate what churches, a lot of churches are like. They're not like, you know, little, nice, modern GP surgeries. They're huge, huge buildings. So it's going to be quite a, a task to do that. But that's the task that we have committed to. And as a diocese, we've committed to that. And, and on Saturday, the diocese um, um, passed a motion declaring a climate emergency for, um, so Manchester, um, and committing themselves to, um, to working towards a net carbon zero target for 2030. Um, and we are, we are, as a diocese, an eco, uh, a bronze eco diocese. Um, now, that's very Church of England talk. And I know that, you know, um, but I, what I will say is that um, eco church is, is ecumenical, as we know, and it's, and it's a brilliant resource. And just gives you some of the ideas of the practical things that we can do to serve creation. But as David mentioned, um, there's also another side to climate action, which is activism. And this can involve campaigning, protesting, um, nonviolent direct action, um, such as that done by Christian Climate Action um, and Extinction Rebellion. These protests are often done to raise issues relating to the ecological um, issues that we face and try to persuade people in power to act. So some of the some of the um, actions you may have seen or heard of are blockades, gluing uh, people glue themselves to banks that invest in fossil fuels, mass protests, that kind of thing. Um, and so there's questions about how we respond as people of faith um, to this kind of activism. Is it something that we as people of faith should be doing? Is it something? Does this? Does this? Is this something that we're called to do? Well. Climate activism, such as that undertaken by Christian Climate Action, does have historical and scriptural precedence. So if we look at some examples, there are some examples of non-violent, NVDA means non-violent direct action. And there are quite a few examples of that actually to be found in our scriptures. There's a wonderful, if you're not familiar with the wonderful story of the Hebrew midwives mm. um, in the book of Exodus, who are commissioned by um who are commissioned by um, the Pharaoh to kill any Hebrew baby boys that are born um, as they, as they're delivered. And they resisted this. They, they took, they, they resisted the law and they resisted this um, because, you know, they knew that this was morally completely wrong. Um, and therefore they spared the life of baby Moses, as we know. The prophet Daniel also resisted the law 
um, he declined to eat the royal food. And he also um, broke the law by pray, continuing to pray to God instead of to the king, um, Darius, because um, the law had been brought in. And, and he, he broke the law um, because he felt that it was more important for his faith to, to take that action. Jesus, we have examples in the New Testament of you know, turning the tables. Now, some might question whether that's nonviolent or violent. And there's, you know, we can, there's, a, there's a discussion to be had there. But this action of turning the tables um, to protest against some of the wrong um, actions that were happening outside the temple is an example, um, some would say, of nonviolent direct action. Now, it is fair, some of us will know, well, we'll have in our minds pictures of some of the actions that have happened over the past few years um, at tube stations um, and so forth. And, and the debate that's come arisen because of that. And there were Christian Climate Action members involved in some of the tube station um, actions. Um, the, and, and that did cause quite a lot of debate and quite a lot of people within Christian Climate Action themselves weren't that happy about some of the actions that were happening. And it is fair to ask whether causing disruption this way is something that we should do as Christians. Uh, some have questioned whether causing widespread disruption in protest is consistent with the call to love our neighbour. And it's a valid question that we need to explore. One of the um, arguments for saying it is, and it is, you know, it is a response to loving our neighbour, is looking at the wider picture. Because the climate emergency right now is affecting people, in the, particularly in the global south, taking people's lives their livelihoods their homes there are climate migrants you know um, in in vast numbers now growing uh, because of the climate emergency so in that respect taking these actions to try and raise the issue is you know is, is not a, a response to loving our neighbor now when i went to um greenbelt in 2019 um bishop stephen cottrell who is now actually our archbishop of york he was speaking at a panel discussion about civil disobedience. And it was really interesting. He mentioned the Sermon on the Mount and this, this, this phrase, blessed are the peacemakers. And he said, often those that we now think of as peacemakers. So if you think of people like Martin Luther King, we think of Mahatma Gandhi, we think of Jesus. They were considered to be troublemakers by those people in power at the time. And yet now we think of them as peacemakers. So our, our, sometimes our perceptions um, may you know we may need to look at what our perceptions are um, and think about who are the peacemakers here there is a question about law breaking should we as christians break the law there's plenty of scripture um, jesus both respected the law but also challenged it particularly you know around laws about eating laws about sabbath and healing on sabbath and that kind of thing jesus jesus challenged these laws so are we called to do similarly, to challenge morally bad laws or principles which go against the basic tenets of Christianity? Um, you know, ten, you know the, the basic ideas about caring for creation. Well, if we are, and some of us may feel comfortable breaking the law, then as with Jesus, if we challenge the law, we must also respect the rule of law and therefore accept the consequences. Um, there was, there was um, Paul, for example, um, talked a lot about respecting the law. Now, quite a lot of the apostles broke the law, but what they did was they respected that the law was there. So they knew when they were breaking it that there would be consequences for that. And that was, a, that was, that was the action that they took with that knowledge. 
whilst the message has reached the headlines about disobedience that might lead to arrest, it's worth noting that Christian Climate Action never insists that anybody makes themselves vulnerable in this way or that you have to go out and get arrested to be a part of um, an, an activism group like Christian Climate Action. Faithful activism seeks to bring change through actions that are rooted in faithful obedience and service to God. So discernment and prayer are central in the decision-making process for each individual person. I myself have not um, taken part in any actions that would be considered to be um, arrestable or breaking the law, because at the moment I don't discern that that is my calling. But I have um, supported, I've stood outside police stations and waited for people who have been arrested um, to be released that I can support them and give them care and make sure that they get home and get fed and all those kind of things. The idea is with um, this kind of action is that it's, it's, it's a faithful action that is rooted in your discernment about where God is calling you to. And that is different for each and every one of us. And that's a really important aspect of Christian climate action. So we've heard about what climate action can involve. We've heard about it in our churches, in our lifestyles and in activism. So now I just want to very quickly talk about why climate action is mission. Now, some of you may be familiar with this term, Missio Dei, the mission of God. And mission is about God creating and then saving the whole world, including humanity. And let me just, this is a very long sentence that has gone wrong. Okay. The mission is about mission, participate, ignore that first bit because that's, that's participating in mission, participating in the mission of God, both representing God. We are, we are called to represent God as God's image bearers and point people to God. So in mission, we're called to represent God. We are God's image bearers and to do God's work and to serve God's, God's work in, the, in creation and to point people to God through that. During a recent um, Northwest Eco Church conference, Andy Atkins, who is the CEO of Arosha, which is the charity that sort of uh, leads on the Eco Church movement, he stated categorically that creation care speaks into all aspects of mission. So when we talk about creation as a gift from God, we're preaching the good news and teaching new believers about scripture and, and Christian faith. When we're taking practical action as individuals and churches to prevent further ecological damage, we're responding to the real and present human need with living, loving service as God's image bearers. When we're speaking out against some of the structures that contribute to the ecological crisis and we're partaking in um, faithful activism, we're helping and seeking to transform unjust structures as we're called to do by God. And when we take climate action in all these forms, we are working towards safeguarding the integrity of God's creation. So both strands of, of climate action, the practical stuff that we do in our churches and the, the more activism type of stuff, their mission in a holistic sense. They're faithful ways of working towards the kingdom of God here on earth. They take seriously the words of scripture and the actions of biblical prophets in whose steps we follow. And they seek to build the church through prayerful and committed witness. Now, if I've not convinced you enough about the missional imperative, to participate in climate action, I'm going to leave you finally with these sobering stats. Um, Tear Fund recently uh, commissioned um, a study with Youthscape where they asked young Christians how they, what they wanted churches to do about the climate crisis that we are facing. Um, the whole report is called Burning Down the House. They surveyed 630 
young Christians from the ages of 14 to 19. Nine out of 10 of them are concerned about the climate crisis. One, only one out of 10 young Christians think their churches are doing enough about it. So nine out of 10 young Christians don't think that we're doing enough about it in church. And eight out of 10 young Christians think that we should be responding as Christians to climate change. Now, I always people always say young people are the church of the future. They're not. They're the church of now. And they're often they're often those people who have um, the least inhibitions about saying it how it is. And often almost speak words of prophecy to us, sort of really speak truths that we need to hear. And I think we've heard and I think we can agree that in scripture, there's a very clear calling to us to act to safeguard creation. And it seems that a lot of our young people don't feel that we're doing that at the moment. And we'll lose them. Missionally, we will lose them. If they don't see integrity in the church, they're not going to stay. So part of our missional calling in safeguarding creation is will also help to, to really speak and show the integrity of, of us as faith people to those, um, those young people and also other people outside of the church. And when you act with integrity and you practice what you preach, you really do show something of God's light and hope and really start to grow the mission and the kingdom of God here on earth. And that is me done. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, if folks have got uh, questions and things they want to uh, put, you can either put those in the chat or you can message me uh, directly or WhatsApp, text me, whatever. Um, whilst um, some questions might be formulating, uh, I wonder if I could ask, so your role with the diocese, what, is, what does that involve on a sort of day-to-day -day basis? Well, that's a great question because it's an honorary role, so I do it on top of my full-time job. Okay. Um, and basically what, what we're doing, we, as it, in Manchester, we, we need to be net carbon zero by 2030. So we've got eight and a half years to get this done. Um, and so there's no way myself and another colleague do this together there's no way we can do this by ourselves so a lot of what we're doing at the moment is growing a network of people throughout the diocese um, equipping and empowering local people and local churches to really look at how what they can do in their local church and how we can all support one another share ideas um, work with each other but find who's got the skill sets because people keep asking me about um, heating systems and buildings work I'm a priest I haven't got a clue so but there are people out there who do know that so the whole idea for us at the moment is growing those networks and encouraging and empowering people within the diocese to um to 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 work towards this goal together so it really is about creating a community of people who can help to make this happen okay and and is that quite a new thing for the diocese to do is that i mean is this something that every diocese does how um... i think most dioceses now would have um diocese environment offices um, they take different forms. So some of them are part time paid. Some of them are additional, you know, like ours are. Um, so there's there's a different variety across across the country. Um, it's definitely taken a shift. So previously, our predecessor was brilliant and set up a load of really good stuff about particularly around eco church and stuff. But in the last year, the emphasis has really shifted to net carbon zero and that target of net carbon zero. So a lot of what we're doing at the moment is, is um, looking at we have a tool called the energy footprint tool which each church is asked to do every year to measure 
um, how much heating they're using, how much gas and electricity they're using, how many people are using their building. So we can calculate, basically it's calculating the, the carbon footprint of each church and the, and, and the amount of carbon that each church uses. Um, and then we can use that as a, um, a way of working out what we need to do and how to get, how to move on. Right, sounds like a big old job. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we got a question from bill in the chat how do we reconcile giving food away with the current obsession with health and safety regarding allergies yeah tell us more about how that works yeah that's that's a really good question so um i think the thing about the oleo the oleo food app and there are other food waste apps out there um is that it's it's people who sign on recognize what they're signing on for and and so there is there was a, a sort of um an agreement on both sides um, that we, you know, that we recognise what was what we're signing up for. So, um, I think a lot of it is done on. A, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to. It's been a long time since we've used it because we've not been able to use it in the pandemic. But I think a lot of it has been uh, done on a trust basis. So, a lot of you know, I mean, if we've we've done cooked food and I've listed it, I will list as much as I can about what that food is. Um, a lot of the time, it's packaged food that's about to go out of date. So there will be um, allergy stuff information on the packaged food. It's just about to go out of date and we're not going to use it. So can somebody else use it quickly? So in that case, it's a matter of snapping a picture of the, the information on it and, and sharing it. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it, it, there are issues around health and safety, particularly around allergies um, and, you know, around health and safety. Um, but the basic premise of it is um, that it's, it's about reducing food waste quite often. Um, the the food that's put on the app is a say a day out of date, and people will pick it up knowing it's a day out of date, and and will use it because most of the time they you can you can push the dates a little bit here and there. So um, I'm assuming that somewhere in the terms and conditions um, that nobody ever reads, um, there'll, <laughs> there'll be some there'll be some you know points about that. But it's it's a fair question. It's a fair question to raise. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you, Chris, for posting the. Um link to the burning down the house uh, project uh got a question here from jackie so in south end we live with a local until recently growing airport which flies uh, noisy polluting cargo planes uh, throughout the evening um the airport would like to grow to restart passenger flights um people like to fly from a local airport but it affects then the schools and very interesting what you're saying about the school near you where they can't even open the mm. windows um, how would you think churches would be best to respond to um, having a growing airport mm. in its vicinity? I mean, the first thing um, as individuals and as churches, as I've, I've already said, is to discern where you're comfortable with and what you feel as an individual and as a church that you're comfortable with um, and, and sort of look at what's going, you know, what's going on um, and how you might respond to it collectively. Um, so I would I would, you know, we have an eco group and I would bring an issue like that to our eco group, for example, and say, you know, this is what what we're doing. Hopefully, I mean, I mean, there are there are a wide variety of, of actions that you can take. There's something called flight free um, flight free. So flight free 2020. It's a bit of a shame, really. It's launched in 2020 <laughs> because we ended up by default. Most of us being flight free. But there's 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 campaigns like that you can sign up to and you can sign up to as individuals and maybe promote that amongst your congregation members. If you if you feel um, and your, your church feels called to speak out, you know, contacting local councillors, uh, writing letters and um, petitions, all those all those usual kind of things of obviously places you can start. Um, 
And then if you feel that you can want to take more activism, I mean, you know, staging a, a prayer vigil. We've staged, we've staged prayer vigils um, um, before, which, which is, you know, just outside places like we've got huge industrial estate, um, chemical industrial estate not too far from here. And we've all gathered and we've simply stood there very visibly praying because prayer is really powerful and it brings people together too. You may feel that you're, you're you know, you may have some activists among you you feel they want to take more action in terms of you know actually um protesting at the airport itself whatever it may be what the first thing in any kind of action to do is to really think about what you're comfortable with and what you feel called to where your church feels called to as well now if you're an activist and you find that your church isn't active and that's you know that happens it's it's not you'll probably have a local um christian climate action group um they're all across the country that you can engage with and christian climate action org i think is their website and they have lots of local hubs they're doing a lot of local webinars and that kind of thing at the moment lots of stuff that you can connect with so if you're feeling like you're the only activist in the room um and that can be really isolating then i would i would really um encourage you to look at um, places like christian climate action we actually had a christian climate action meeting via zoom last night people all over greater manchester and we all said how lovely it was to be in company with like-minded people and just and, and feel you know, um, in, that you're in solidarity with people um, who kind of feel the same as you. So those are some of the things that you could consider doing. I mean, I think if I think if our local airport was to um, look at expanding, uh, I've said before that um, I haven't as yet done anything arrestable because I don't feel I've been called to. But I, I think if they were going to start planning to um, expand our airport, I might reconsider. Um, my action there because I just feel very strongly that there are some things that we should not be investing money in. Hi, thank you for that. I had a good challenge to us. Um, Anne's asked a question. If um, Thank you folks for putting these things in the chat. There's the links to Flight Free and Christian Climate Action there. Um, Anne's asked a question. Uh, could you explain a little bit more about EcoBricks? Yes. I've made a note about that as well. Great. Great and you know what? I'm really annoyed because I've got one downstairs, but I won't I won't <laughs> run down and get it. So there's a lot of plastic waste which can't be recycled at curbside, certainly not in, in Manchester. I mean, there are different recycling issues all across the country, but lots of plastic film and that kind of thing, which there are places where you can recycle, but they're harder to recycle. So one of the things that you can do is you can get a, a plastic bottle um, and you can pack it really solidly with these this plastic film crisp packets sweet packets um pet food packets um you know those kind of things that um, are often difficult to recycle so you need to cut them up quite small and then and then shove them in your bottle we use two liter coke bottles because we, we started doing it in our in our toddler group and a vast number of our um toddler parents um lived off coke i think the caffeine really helps when you've got toddlers doesn't it but there you go um but you can use milk bottles if you've got lots of plastic milk bottles, that kind of thing you all need to use the same bottle if you're doing a project and um you cut it up and you really pack it in now you really do need to pack it in it needs to be re- it needs to be a brick so it's a lot harder than you think and you really need to pack pack it in really tight and it becomes at the end of it it will become a solid dense brick you, um, i've used knitting needles to get plastic right down and that kind of thing now you, you that becomes a solid dense brick and because it's plastic it's 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 not it's going to it's going to stay that way for a very long time and you can then build structures with it people have built built benches with it tables with it um and we were like i said we were going to build a fence with it and um, our, our plan has changed slightly now because of the pandemic um and we we've now got an extension work going on so we don't need the fence anymore but we're actually going to use them to build um raised beds 
to to to, to grow, and we're going to um, grow wildflowers um, on the roadside with, with with raised beds made out of eco bricks. Um, I've seen that somebody's put the link in there. The the biggest advice I would give to you if you're going to embark on an eco brick project is absolutely stress 100% how really important it is that people pack the plastic in because you end up otherwise with a lot of bricks that are really squashy and you end up like me spending all your evenings watching the television packing bricks. (laughs) (laughs) Already, um, I know I won't be the only one in the meeting whose brain is thinking about possible eco projects around our site so that's really exciting and Vicky's asked a question um what impact do you think the pandemic has had on the climate crisis I think that's a really interesting question I don't think we can fully we won't be able to fully answer that for a few years yet what I I think in the short term I think um I don't it's a cliche in some ways to say but I think a lot of us in lockdown last year really started to recognize um, possibly we all kind of knew it, but we didn't really know it in the heart how important green spaces were, how important it was to be able to to get in out into nature. When you're suddenly restricted to one, you know, one one walk out a day, you suddenly realise how much how important these things are, how important, how lovely it was to hear the bird song. And so there was a sense that we were starting to um, really appreciate creation in in a new way and really see the importance of it possibly in a new way obviously in the short term as well traffic depleted um i actually got on a bike for the first time since i was about 13 um, and now actually um i cycle everywhere now i used to get the bus quite a lot um, now i cycle everywhere and so the short term there's been lots of things i think that we have done i think we've also recognized much more deeply how connected and de- dependent we all are on each other and, you know, and that 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 speaks about how dependent we are on each other in creation as well. Now, long term, I'd like to think that some of our travel habits and some of our, you know, the the um, the commuter habits um, have changed and, and that kind of thing. Although this morning when I cycled to church, there was a traffic jam. So I don't know, um, you know, I don't know how much of these things have been really taken in and and you know and and really held some some of you know car i'm not against car use when it needs to be used by the way i'm not i'm not an you know but it's um but so i think in the short term there have been some benefits um obviously you know emissions have dropped from planes from cars um from that kind of thing but they've increased because this this kind of meeting is not emission free there is a carbon footprint to um web meetings and that kind of thing and and you can research that because it's not it's not you know nothing's carbon free in the long term, um, I think that waits to be seen. Part of me really, really hopes that we really have taken on board some of the some of the uh, issues and some of some of some of those, particularly because actually we're much more at risk of pandemic because we're encroaching so much into nature. Um, the, the the jump from animals to humans is far greater, high, far higher risk now because of how um, how we're not treating ecology. But I still, you know. The powers that be as they are, we've, we've, we've still got, you know, talk about Leeds-Bradford airport expansion. We've still got talk about um, investing loads of money into nuclear bombs instead of, you know, green jobs or whatever. We've still got um, there was something else I saw the other day. Oh, um, cutting the domestic um, fuel duty so that we can all fly more domestically. It blows my mind, this kind of stuff that the, these are these are tabled options. So I don't know where we'll be. In, in a few years time it certainly had an impact in the short term 
Um, I guess what I hope it does is really motivate those of us that do care about it to really think about how we want to move forward out of this. But old habits die hard, don't they? I mean, it feels like a year, but it's amazing how quickly those habits will come back. Yeah, and I know it's a, a conversation a number of us had sort of not long into the pandemic about how love with the bird song and we can sort of really hear the difference and, and appreciate it where we are. You know, we're by the coast and what a difference that makes. We realise how blessed we are in that way. But yeah, I, I think the real challenge is actually when, when we can do the other things again, yeah, to make yeah. changes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, have you ever been invited to take part in something where you've just thought no that's too too much for me and if so could you tell us a little bit about kind of how you worked out sort of how you made your decision Uh, well actually that's a really interesting question so um in September of 2020 so September last year um the the Extinction Rebellion and Christian Climate Action planned a rebellion in Manchester to to work over three days in in Manchester now as it happened um we 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 were still in we'd gone we'd come out of some restrictions but then we'd gone straight back in about two weeks later so there were a lot of restrictions in place there were a lot of people um you know who were really struggling in Manchester when I was ministering in a congregation where we'd lost loved ones and not been able to go to their funerals and that kind of thing and I really felt quite strongly that I couldn't participate in some kind of rebellion that could, uh, that would um, not be, you know, wouldn't have that kind of social distancing, that kind of, um, you know, adhering to the rules that we needed to adhere to. I, I just felt morally I couldn't do that. And I felt I was ministering to congregations um, who had really, who'd been really struggling. And what would that say to them if I said, I know you've lost your, one, one, one of my congregation members lost his mother, his sister and his brother in a space of about three weeks and how can I minister to that person passion what would that person think of me if I then you know and we want to make our individual decisions so there were other people friends of mine who did go ahead and do this but I just felt I, I couldn't morally do this it didn't feel right for me but I still wanted to do something because I recognized climate emergency is an emergency that we need to still talk about so actually what we did then is we we liaised with the police and we did a prayer vigil in the city centre the day before the rebellion. And we made sure um, we didn't advertise it massively and we live streamed it so that every, and, and we had um, like ribbons that were between us so that we were exactly two metres spaced out, all of us. And we, we um, so we did that and we live streamed it. So most people watched it online so we could pray. We could we were a visible sign. We were praying for the, for the you know, the climate emergency. We were praying for action to take place. But we were hopefully doing it in a way that felt safer, that wasn't going to disrupt people's lives as well, because people's lives were so disrupted. The thought of shutting shutting down places and, and making access difficult for key workers and things like that just felt really quite difficult at a time like this. But this felt like a, a Christian action that we could take that would um, that felt OK by us. That's really helpful. Um, when... I came to the seminar or the conference uh, for JPIT last year. Um, you were leading that with uh, Mark. Uh, and uh, we were just talking before everyone else came in the meeting. Mark's been in the papers this week. Some of you may have read about um, a vicar taking some direct action. Um, are you able to tell us a little bit about 
what's been going on with that because that's quite interesting I think for us to hear about. Yeah it's really now Mark um, Mark is a retired vicar um, he's also a, a good friend and, and like I said we presented at JPIT last year he's he's actually really active within Extinction Rebellion he has felt for many years and he won't mind me saying this you know he's said this several times he's felt really called to take action and activism and actually regrets that he didn't take it sooner and um, he had to retire really on health grounds and now he's really going for it he is like out there all the time gluing himself to buildings he was at the uh, rebellion about 18 months ago was arrested um, and and was in a cell with um, a couple of other clergy and they actually um, the whole there was a lot of them that arrested at the time and they all sat on the floor and some people were leading prayers some people were sort of reading scripture some people were singing and he said that felt like holy communion to him that felt like a really holy space so Mark comes from a he's really keen he's really um, distressed about the climate emergency and he feels very passionately that he is called to take action and make a stand and if you do that as a vicar, it does create headlines. You, you know, it does because, you know, it's, 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 it's got that kind of added thing to it. And there was a headline in the MEN, the Manchester Evening News, yesterday. Vicar causes vandalism, police involved. And so several of us are now at Christian Climate Action are actually writing into the Manchester Evening News in support of Mark, saying, we're, you know, we're really grateful that he's doing this. We think that he's a prophet speaking truth at a time when we need to hear the truth. And we wish that your paper would report more on the effects of the climate emergency. And, and he, he did it outside an MP's office. And all the only quote they got from the MP was, this man's committed vandalism and, and the police are involved. But they didn't ask the The whole reason why the action was taking place, because this MP has done very little for the climate emergency, but they didn't ask the MP, so what are you doing about the climate emergency? What steps are you going to take? They just didn't ask him anything like that. So we've a group of us, um, hopefully the, the MEN's inbox is full to this evening, have written in, sort of say we support Mark's action and we really wish that you would actually challenge people in power a little bit more about what they're doing. And I think one of the things that um, I found sort of most encouraging about listening to Mark share a little bit last year, was actually he, he's a very gentle spirit as well. Like he, he's not um, a kind of in your face, aggressive, spoiling for a fight kind of person, which I think sometimes it's tempting to see those who make the front page of the papers sometimes with the, the activists and think that everyone's like that. But Mark couldn't have been further from that. And that, that's what was so disappointing by the headline, because it kind of just, you know, it had this vandalism, police involved kind of action. And, and Mark is a really gentle, faithful, mm. prayerful priest, and and what he does, he does out of a real and genuine concern um, and a calling to, to, to serve creation and, and a calling to serve God. And he is and he is, he is he's a wonderful man of faith um, very gentle. And anybody that speaks to him or gets to know him um, just feels, you know, inspired by him and moved by what he has to say. Yeah. Brilliant. Um thank you so much for being with us and answering all our questions and sharing with us tonight we really appreciate the time has absolutely flown by um we always finish by asking whoever comes to share with us tonight what can we be praying for you that's our last question to you tonight that's really kind thank you um i would really like um, really appreciate prayers um at the moment for, for um the work that is that is going on in terms of um the work going on within the church um church of england as a whole but the diocese as a whole for net carbon zero um finding it can feel quite deflating sometimes <laughs> um trying to find ways um to engage and and to to find find suitable ways of of making a huge victorian church 
net carbon zero and that kind of thing. So play, prayers for um, energy and, and being sustained and, and, um, and you know, um, finding ways, you know, discerning where God um, is calling us and how we can do this would be really appreciated. Great. Well, let's pray now then, shall we, folks? Let's pray together. Loving God, we thank you for this time when we can reflect together on the importance of your creation and our role in caring for it. Lord, we thank you for Grace. Thank you that she's able to be with us tonight and to share um, the work that she is involved in. And Lord, we pray uh, for her and uh, Lord, for her church and churches in Mossside and Wally Range. And we do pray for them as the restrictions begin to ease over the coming months and they begin to do more and more uh, together. We do pray your blessing upon them and their life together over the coming months. Lord, we pray for Grace's work with the Diocese of Manchester. We thank you for this commitment to net carbon zero. Lord, it's ambitious and it's a big ask, but we thank you for the courage that people have been willing uh, to demonstrate to make that target happen. Lord, I pray for Grace and for her colleague sharing in this work too, that you'd be with them as they seek to engage this wider network of people with all the skills and expertise that they need to put things into practice. We pray for those who know they need to do something but are scared of what the implications of it might be or just can't possibly see how they could start this journey. And we pray that you would give Grace and her colleagues all the the wisdom and creativity that they need to find the right ways in to helping all the churches in the diocese and make progress. Lord, would you bless them with all the energy and ideas that they need? Would you bless them with perseverance? Would you bless them, uh, Lord, with everything that they need, all the strength and courage, uh, Lord, to speak truth where it needs speaking, but also to gently encourage those, uh, Lord, who are wanting to get there, but just don't know how. So bless all of this work, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we ask. Amen.